So Ligue 1, match day 30 this weekend, 32 goals were scored in those uh, 10 games, three red cards. Uh, Strasbourg, we quickly talked about it, um, you know, did, did the did the job winning against Lens. Uh, Marseille and Troyes, I think, are the only, the other winners, sorry, of that weekend. Um, you know, we just we just spoke about Strasbourg for about half an hour. We didn't really talk about the game against um, Lens uh, that, that we watched together. 1-0, the goal scorer Ludovic Ajorc. Um, on penalty, an even game on possession. Um, however, w- watching the, the game, the first half, maybe a battle out. The, the second half, Strasbourg mm. really nullified um, what we know last can do uh, on the park. Right? What were your thoughts of, of the game? Yeah, KG. Um, not a huge amount of quality, if I'm honest. And uh, I think the bubbly pitch probably played a part. It was a bit uneven there, but it was it was pretty even um during the first half like you said was, although i thought still thought strasbourg just edged it but second half they just put so much pressure on on Lance and and they just their system nullified Lance's strength they they did that really well and um and Lance just didn't seem they've been on a bit of a downward slide at the moment i think they i don't know whether they're a bit tired or you know it's just becoming a bit too much maybe teams game plan against them a bit more but certainly Kloster who's new in the front side was very very quiet even though he's one of their main outlets same for Frankowski and it just felt like with Kakuta out of the picture just felt like everything was resting on for Seko Fofana's shoulders and you know he had a typical good battling performance as an engine but um, too much was way on his shoulders so they were a bit toothless. I was disappointed with Callum Wendo up top. I thought he's normally lively and good technically, and he was just completely outmuscled by Nyamzi and Jiku. I thought, and um, and Strasbourg well well deserved their win in the end. The story of penalties, right? That game, uh, two or three penalties not whistled, and then mm. the one that's given maybe feeling soft. Uh, when yes. are we going to get out of that controversy? <laughs> those, those handballs, all uh, all we sold or not everywhere in Europe and and in France as well. It looks like from one referee to the other, mm. um, the decision changes. Yeah, I mean the first one was that Ajar converted was was a really tough one, especially as a very similar incident, like you said, occurred in the first half and could have been given to Lance. I still think it was the right decision not to give it, but then if I'm consistent, I would have said I should I would say the same thing about the first Strasbourg penalty and then it changes the game obviously the first goal and you kind of always got the sense that whoever would score the first goal would probably go on go on to win it um so a little bit of bad luck for loss having said that Strasbourg were the strongest were the stronger sides I think is it was there some poetic justice with Gamero missing the second penalty maybe mm-hmm. but I, after a while I only saw if there was going to be a winner it was either going to be a nil-nil draw or Strasbourg were going to win it. I didn't, I didn't think Lens were really in it to win it um, as the second half went on. So t- tough on Lens because that's the breakthrough in the game. But in terms of the overall picture throughout the match, I thought that was the right result, probably. Yeah, Strasbourg deserved and, and Lens. I think after they they get the first penalty in, they really saw their head going down, and then yes. you know the missed penalty by Gamero, rather saved by Luca. Maybe gave a bit of a boost at the end, but uh, yeah, we just haven't seen enough during, during that game. And yeah, you mentioned it, Lance is struggling to get back to um, 
to their form in in the second part of that season. Uh, and yeah, it might have been the the day where the European hopes unfortunately vanished um, this yeah. weekend. Another game that you watched with a uh, with a few more goals uh, overnight: <laughs> Lyon against Angers, and a three-two win for Lyon. A brace for the striker Moussa Dembélé, twenty-six and, and fifty-second minute, um, and the winning goal for the new recruit Tete, who just came from from Shakhtar, who's only on uh, some sort of a three-month loan. You know that famous clause of the players that are in Ukraine and Russia and yes. allowed to uh, to be loaned somewhere for three months and still um, still belong to Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, in front of him, Angers, the, the goal scorer um, Mathias Pereira-Lage at the fiftieth and. Sofiane Bouffal at the 59. You've watched that game. Um, I haven't. It, you know, on paper, it looks like Lyon dominated. I feel like we've seen so many games of Lyon that um, we, we could guess exactly what happened. But, but tell us about yeah. um, that game. The most infuriating team in France, I think. Lyon. But, uh, maybe <laughs> on equal terms with Marseille, but I, I didn't watch their game. We'll get to it afterwards. But, you know, for the first 35 minutes, there was only one team on the pitch, and that was Lyon. They were utterly dominant. Uh, and Dombele was doing the running on the pitch uh, and bossing it. Paquette was playing between the lines. Fever was looking very dangerous on the right-hand side, combining with, with Malo Gusto, who Lyon fans have been clamoring for. Uh, you know, it was all looking very, very comfortable, frankly. Uh, and they and they deserved to take the lead. It was a nicely taken goal, uh, an assist by Dombele to... to, to um, so by Ndombele to Dombele, sorry. And... Um, and then, of course, classic Lyon, they just switched off. Uh, I don't think I saw Ndombele track back for the next 10 minutes. It was really embarrassing. Um, it was a 4v6 every time uh, Angers was, were playing the ball up front. And um, when they got to the half and you thought, well, 1-0 Lyon, maybe that's the warning that they needed for them to get back into the second half. And then they conceded a comical goal where Boateng is clearly at fault. And also, I mean, Boateng, I think, to, to my mind, has been awful for, for Lyon this season. I still don't know why they signed him. 33 years old. I don't I don't see what you're getting there, apart from a big wage and a player with a big ego. But, um, you know, and, and, and yet straight away, Lyon reacted and grabbed a goal through a lovely bit of uh, play between um, Paqueta and Dembele, who finished well. But... You know, again, uh, it, it was so topsy-turvy in the second half and, and nobody was controlling the game. I think that's what kind of was the most shocking piece of it all. Uh, I think Angers would have liked to control the game a bit more, actually, at one point. Um, and they didn't they didn't really manage to. Lyon clearly couldn't couldn't slow down the tempo when they should have. Angers came back. And then 10 minutes before the end, the magical Tete with a, with a lovely goal from an assist by Malagusto. But... It's it's just um, you know for me Lyon they they have the most talent on the pitch in France with uh, after PSG I think I can't see much of a difference between Rennes and Lyon in terms of talent on the pitch I think actually Marseille is a little bit behind um, but there's just I don't know what it's down to. I think it's probably an absence of leadership across the squad. But there's no nobody's taking the mantle on to sort of look around and tell his teammates, you know, calm the play down, focus, we're one and up, we're just we should spend the next ten minutes kind of playing our way around and you know, 
nobody's stepping up. There's no, I don't know who, I can't remember who was the captain today. In my, um, Dembele, Awa. Was it Dembele? But even that, even those choices, I think, say a lot about that squad, right? Yeah. So, it, it, you you're always left wanting more when. You know, I think is basically what I'm getting down to. So they won the game. Good for them. Maybe a positive dynamic, but there are so many flaws. And their best performers are, you know, their goalkeeper, Paqueta. And apart from that, it's Luke Eber, who actually had a poor game today, but who's 18. And today was Malo Gusto, who's 18. So, and not otherwise, it's Kakre, right? So I think that says a lot about, a lot about that squad. And I don't see them getting to Europe this year. I don't see them qualifying to Europe through the league. I may be mistaken, but there are just there are just too many obvious flaws in that side that Peter Bosch has been banging his head against the wall for about nine months now, and he can't seem to find a solution. And that's that's worrying. Yeah, and you mentioned the the quality of the squad. Uh, that, that there's the team that play today. Um, Kakare and and Shaki are out injured, and Shaki's season is over. Uh, so is Kakare actually, I think. Um, on the bench you have you know Jason Denea who's finally coming back from injury. Da Silva yeah. who's supposedly brought in to try and help when Denea was injured. Yeah. Enrique who was the left back at one point before they got Emerson. Um, Jeff Renadelaide who who is you know. A talent Injured. who had issues um, confirming and, and he had a lot of injuries. Kadewere was on the bench. <laughs> they got at the beginning of the season uh, Shakiri that then they sold back again. They always have the means to actually create mm. the right squad. And, and you know, I don't know if it was the, the Juninho both um, yeah. beef or, or, or not wanting the same thing, but it just looks like it's a squad that changed five times during the season um, and, and you're not. You know, you're not giving, you're not um, putting your confidence or your trust into the player that can actually deliver. The captain today was uh, Musa Dembele. I can't remember when uh, Lopez lost the the armband, yeah. but you kind of feel like he he would be the one with the armband, despite you know what might happen on the uh, of of the pitch, because obviously um, Boss was trying to recruit a, a goalkeeper to put over him at one point. Yeah, but look, that list of players you just gave is just a long list of mistakes, right? Yeah, I John. mean, uh, apart from Rena Delaide, who's just been really unfortunate with injuries and that, and that's a shame because he was looking really promising. Shakiri should have never been signed. He's a 30, 30 year old player who's been, who'd been sitting on the bench for about three seasons and was coming on big, big wages and play, being played out of position. Denayer has been rub, he's been rubbish if you've ever watched him play since he's joined the club. Frankly, I've rarely seen a centre back <laughs> with such little, Little defensive acumen, it, it's it's quite shocking, and uh, and De Silva never really had the level. But he's probably he should be your fourth centre back if you're really challenging somewhere, right? So and and, and you add to that, you know, I, I want to defend Peter Bosch, but at the same time, you see things like Usemawa being constantly played out of position. Now, I always thought there was a bit too much hype about Awar when they got to the semi-finals of Champions League. I actually already thought back then Kakre was the metronome of that side. Uh, and I still think he is, and I still think he'll, you know, when he'll move, he'll move to a very, very good club and be a really good player for them. But as much as I always thought he was overrated, Awar is a good player if you play him in the right position. And he's been played as a 10. He's been played as a left winger, even though his 
doesn't have the pace for it. Uh, he's been played, you know, as an eight. I bet he's been played as a six sometimes. How can, how can you build any consistency for your players when you play them play them that way, right? And um, and it, and again today, Thiago Mendes, who'd been playing the last what six weeks as a centre back with Luke mm-hmm. was being put in centre midfield, uh, and then was dropped back because they took off Boateng. I mean, I think that just says it all, right? And then Awar came back into midfield. Look, just start with Awar in midfield with Ndombele or someone else. Keep Thiago Mendes. Keep some continuity. It's not complicated, and it's. It's a club that seems to make its own life more and more complicated as we go along. And that's just, that's the infuriating thing for me. It's it's a club I have a lot of respect for that for 20 years got a lot of things right. And at the moment, it just seems, they seem a bit divided and they seem to be getting some really basic stuff wrong, which is disappointing. But that's, you know, but that's, but that's Lyon. And I mentioned they have uh, a bit more talent in my book than your club Marseille, but then I didn't. I didn't see the game. Uh, Marseille side has been criticised for being a bit toothless. Had a heck of a day, <laughs> unsurprisingly against against Saint Etienne. Right? What did you, what did, what did you make of the game? I'll I'll take the shot at my club. Um, <laughs> but yes, as a uh, as as a as a Marseille fan, it was a it was a good night. As a um, as a neutral pundit, it was actually. Um, Pretty sad to see the level of of Saint Etienne. Uh, the game was Saint Etienne Marseille. It was supposed to be played on um, Saturday night, but uh, snow snow in April in Saint Etienne um, made made the pitch um, impracticable. So um, so it was pushed to Sunday afternoon, and, and they play at five pm. Uh, five pm it was uh, on Sunday. The the final score was four two. For Marseille, um, Saint Etienne scored first Denis Buanga at the ninth minute, uh, and then Payet equalized on penalty. Um, Colo Jeshak scored an old, an own goal in the second half. Jiang, uh, scored the third on penalty, and then Arit, um, put the fourth. Um, Lucas Gorna, a, uh, one of those talents for the future coming from Ligue 1, scored at the 86th minute to put a bit of fire back into the chaudron. Um, but the game was as, as one-sided as it gets, and, you know, um, you mentioned Marseille being toothless in in, in recent games. It, it's true, you know, we we're not seeing the all the excitement and all the amazing talent that we've seen at the very beginning of the season. It looked like they're kind of getting by. They're getting by with a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of experience and, and a lot of savoir-faire. Um, I guess from uh, from San Paoli, who, who kind of knows how to play the momentum, I feel, um, and knows how to usually knows how to play against team like Saint Etienne. I mean, it's 71% position for Marseille. They had the ball the whole time. And Saint-Etienne, a team that is fighting for their um, for their survival and, and was very lucky to score a goal at the ninth minute. The shot from Denis, from Denis Buanga comes off. If it he, if he had been a foul on, on Kolasinac, it would have been a soft foul. But Buanga runs oh. into Kolasinac and then he's able to, to get the ball on his feet and, and shoot with, without enough power straight at Paulo Lopez. And Paulo Lopez... Um, somehow sees the ball flumbling through his hands and, and that's 1-0 for Saint-Etienne, which is an ideal start for Dupraz mm. and his men, right? Because then they can just defend and wait for Marseille. Uh, but the defensive effort from Saint-Etienne were some of the worst that I've ever seen. The most, like if you can think of the most stupid fouls a defender can make under pressure, they were all happening. It was, it was kicking when it's not necessary. It was 
finding somebody from behind when there's three three defenders in front of that player. Mm-hmm. A lot of really unnecessary fouls that, that kind of put them onto trouble. You know, not with the referee because the referee didn't didn't feel like getting any yellow card out um, during the game, but with with their own confidence, I felt like they just didn't trust themselves enough that they could hold that Marseille team. We've seen Marseille playing since the beginning of the season when they play against a team that parked the bus. They're they're a handball team to sure. to mention yeah. a European sport. They just go around left, right, left, right, left, right. They never go into the box. They didn't even have Arkejus Milik for for the um, crosses last night. So there was there was a way to just not attack them and and let them do their thing. Unfortunately, um, yeah, mentioning Sandichen and their and their dumb mistakes, the the penalty just before the the halftime comes from Mangala just. Literally um, throwing Chaitacha on the floor, uh, like he's like he's doing judo at the Olympics. He's uh, he's yeah. grabbing his two arms around him. He's putting his leg in front of him and pushing him. Uh, and you're you're two meters away from the referee, and and maybe Mangala isn't aware, but VAR is a thing in France, so they will see it if you're doing uh, a foul like this. And Marseille had been complaining two, three, four times mm-hmm. about potential penalties, so the pressure was also mounting on the referee. Uh, but that foul to me came to like sum up how poor technically and in their decisions Hesitian had been. Um, because Marseille was was good without being that much better. They were better than Hesitian, sure, but they were not creating a lot of opportunities. Uh, I mean, Harit on the right side was trying to um, provoke one-on-one and a couple of times get into the box. Um, but just not as much as we expect from Marseille. But Hesitian was so bad that there was no way Marseille wasn't going to to go through eventually. The second half, uh, it's just a bit more of the same. Uh, an opportunity for Rangier, nicely saved by Bernardoni and Colo Jezak by himself in the middle of the six-yard box. Uh, you know, you don't want to, it's terrible for him. You don't want to blame a player for right. scoring an on goal, but he's, he's under zero pressure. He's six yards from the from his own goals and he uses the left foot instead of using the right foot. So the left foot mm. will always going to go throughout the goals. And the ball goes perfectly in the top left corner, unfortunately <laughs> for him. Uh, and, and it was like a, just a perfect on goal. Um, but, but there was five other things the defender should have done in that situation. And it's close. It's like he's the captain, and but, but he was yes. the one who made six or seven mistakes in the first half already. Then after that, it's a, it's another penalty for a, for a tackle, if I'm not mistaken, or a push again. And then Harris closes it down, and then said Marseille can just. Um, see it coming at two one anyway. It felt like it was like it was over. Mm. It's a ve- it's a very important win for Marseille. Nice and Rennes drew. Um, they're yeah. able to to be three points away um, from from third place. Rennes right now, um, you know they're they're nowhere near Paris Saint Germain. They're twelve points behind Paris Saint Germain, uh, but they're putting Nice um, and Strasbourg five points behind them. Yes. Um, and big. it is the final stretch starting now for for Marseille um to try and, and keep that Champions League um run alive. You know, of course they're 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 the one of the two teams with Lyon still playing in uh in European um games. They have mm. a game um this uh, this Thursday night against uh Paok Salonique, the, the Greek club um at Marseille. Um but then behind uh they also have a bit of a tough one, you know. They're meeting. They're playing Montpellier. They're playing Paris Saint Germain for the le classic uh, in Paris, and and then they're yeah. playing um, Lyon, Rennes, and Strasbourg in in the last four games. Um, so they have to take as many points as possible now that they're going to play against um, mid mid table teams in Paris um, to to try and and make sure they can be in in the Champions League run or at least 
that they have their fate in their hand um, mm. for those last four games that are going to be um, crucial for them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's interesting because you know Sampaoli gets a lot of stick, and um, you know I've watched Marseille quite a few times, and they are nearly as infuriating as as Lyon, right? <laughs> Uh, because we we've talked about it before, right? It's the build up up to about thirty meters away from the goal is very very good by uh, by Marseille, very comfortable on the ball, taking risks, players floating in and out everywhere. You know, very fluid formation, um, some very exciting. You know, players like Genduzi playing really well. Dimitri Payet is back. Uh, you know, Cengiz Unders look good. You know, a, a lot of good stuff working, but they can't when they play against a team that's set up defensively, they just can't seem to break through. So, you know, but but yet, they're second in the table. They've got the upper hand into getting in, you know, into finishing in that position. And I think anybody at the start of the season, any Marseille fan would have said, do I want to be the best of the rest, effectively? Everybody would have signed up for it. So it's funny how expectations because of Sam Pauli being the new Bielsa, and that's just because of pure laziness, I think, that people looked at it that way, <laughs> um, created this sort of disenchantment with the way Marseille have been playing and performing, even though their results are good overall, you know, still in Europe, and um, looking like they're, they're going to finish in the top three. So that would everybody was signed up for that. So it's interesting that, um, despite the ups and downs, they're they're in the driving seat. Yeah, the I think the conversion in Marseille is always a, a goal away from the crisis, and uh, <laughs> and the Marseille fans are always are always ready to uh, to come up in arms. Um, yeah. We mentioned we mentioned the classic that's happening in uh, in two weeks now, something like that, three weeks yeah. maybe. Two weeks, um, yeah. Of course, your 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 pod is um, for the classic, <laughs> so we'll have a we'll have a chance to talk about Paris Saint-Germain Marseille on it, uh, but. To talk about the other adversary, um, the other team, sorry, in that classic, Paris Saint-Germain. You've, you've watched that game. Uh, we finished a couple of hours ago now. Um, 5-1 against Lorient. Uh, the Kylian Mbappé show, two goals, three assists. Um, Lorient did score by, by Terem Mofi, but, uh, he was all, uh, he was all superstars. Neymar, the 12th at the 90th minutes, Mbappé at the 20th and the 67th, and Messi at the 73rd. Is, is it as good as it looks or, uh, or was it just Paris Saint-Germain being Paris Saint-Germain? There, there was a decent amount of PSG being PSG in there. Um, so, you know, first half, they they did play very good football. I mean, Lorient sat back and tried to soak up the pressure and hit on the break and had a few good, decent uh, positions that didn't make a breakthrough from. But, you know, Messi, Neymar and Mbappe did combine very well in the first half. The first goal by Neymar is wonderful bit of uh, build-up between him and Mbappe. And um, where it became classic PSG is that, you know, start of the second half, for the first 10 minutes of the second half, they looked utterly disinterested. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they'd done the job, you know, it's time to, time to head home soon. Why, why bother, right? And uh, they conceded a comical goal from, uh, from Muffy through Akimi not looking at Marquinhos, Donnarumma being asleep, and uh, pass from Hakimi is a professional. And the pass foul. from Hakimi, yeah, is is you know again Marquinhos finding himself in the middle. I felt a bit bad for him, and yet not being at fault for this. Um, 
And for the next 10 minutes after that goal at 2-1, suddenly Lorient were sort of smelling a remontada and, and PSG were KG and the stadium you could feel was looking at this and going, I can't believe this could happen against freaking Lorient, right? And um, and then Mbappe, you know, stood up, mm. scored, and and tore Lorient apart for the for the next half an hour. So, you know, was there some collective unity? Was there a sense that there's a real plan? Was it fluid? Maybe for maybe in in spurts, but again, it's all about individualities, and they have the man who's probably the best player in the world at the moment. And that helps. <laughs> and he was, he was sensational. I mean, he was, and throughout the game, I think that was also the more, that's also the thing that I find more and more impressive with Mbappe is he doesn't just, and this is where I'm going to compare him on favorably, uh, favorably compared to one of his teammates is Neymar will have, and Messi to a certain extent, will have periods of 10 minutes where they are on it. And you think, oh my God, here we go, and and we aren't. They're in full flight. They're unstoppable, and they they still have that talent, obviously, and they're wonderful players. And then they'll have twenty minutes where they'll have barely been running. They will have barely been on the ball. They've, you know, it seems there's a lack of activity, for want of a better word. And Mbappe doesn't do that throughout the game. He's just he wants the ball. He wants to get on it. He wants to put pressure on the opposition. And he wants to score. He wants to set up his teammates, and um, and he was he was absolutely sensational tonight. Five one flatters PSG a little bit. Lorient had some decent moments. They've got some good players in there. They they I think they got a decent chop, chance of beating the drop. They certainly look like they have a structure. They have a a spine. They have a coherence to their side. Right. It just it was too big a mountain tonight, but. I also kind of want to mention the fact that um, a lot of criticism about Pochettino has been that he, the players choose when they play effectively and he's not. And um, Paredes got injured. Obviously, not that he took the decision, but you know, one of those injuries where he got injured, realized straight away, I think he tore his groin or something. As soon as it happened, did the sub me off sign. And you know, Pochettino looked at his bench and put on Vinaldum, even though they were tuning up at home, 12 points clear in the league against Lorient, rather than Edouard Michou or Xavi Simons, right? And then the funny bit was obviously he somehow took off Marquinhos with about 18 minutes to go and put on Sergio Ramos, who <laughs> <laughs> who allowed minority of fans proceeded to boo every time he took a touch on the ball for about the next 10 minutes. And then I think that that changed because people realized that, you know, you've got to be a little bit respectful towards your own players. And also, even though it does look like he's in pre-retirement, we don't know about, we don't, we don't know whether he's, you know, been genuinely injured and, and that, you know, he's a 35 year old center back, you know, potentially breaking down, right. There's no laughing matter and that's not necessarily his fault, but it was, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a strange atmosphere. It was quite subdued and, and, um, but the one thing was Mbappe. And every time he touched the ball, there was this, he has this aura now, whenever he touches the ball, where you just expect something to happen. And, uh, and I was saying to you before, it felt like 
you know, whilst keeping a sense of proportion, it felt <laughs> a little bit like what I would imagine like a 1996 NBA game with the Chicago Bulls against a really terrible side being. People would come and they would pay a ticket just to see Michael Jordan and they wouldn't care about the game. They're not Bulls fans. They don't really care about the NBA. They just want to see the spectacle of of Michael Jordan. And I feel like certainly in France, I feel that's what it's getting getting to now with Mbappe is people are like, shit, he's going. I need to buy a ticket to see this guy in the flesh. And he doesn't disappoint. He's a great show every time. Yeah, it's a bit of the, the goodbye tour of the boy from Bondi, right? He's uh yeah. he's he's announced to be to be leaving at the end of the season, he's at the end of his contract. I mean, um yeah, same thing. We had that conversation of offline, it could it could go could go either way. Yeah. I mean, I, f- I feel like he's going, but uh, you know, you never know in football, you never know um outside of football what, what might motivate um Mbappé as well, his family or anything. But yeah, that, that goodbye tour is is <laughs> certainly serving Pochettino because yeah. as you mentioned Mm. Uh, it feels a bit of a of a puppet doing the changes that the uh, the emir uh, tell him to do, uh, and and to just make changes to make sure that the people that are the players that are paid the most money uh, are actually playing some minutes rather mm. than uh, rather than giving the youth a bit of a bit of game time. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough to see Mbappe going. I think um, just just for Ligue 1, for the general attractive Ligue 1, but um, but what a player he is, and and uh, his uh, his progression will no doubt be. Be stellar. So following that from uh, from a little bit further away, and and of course every time he comes back and play for Les Bleus, there is a World Cup at the end of the season. Um, is going to be a a proper delight for um any French football fan. There was a few more games played this weekend. We're not going to to talk about them too much, but just to go um, quickly through the scores. Some of them were, uh, were were pretty dramatic in in how they finished. Uh, nice and Rennes, who was the clash at the top of the table, finished at um, one one. Uh, of course, Martin Terrier scored for Rennes um, to answer to um, to Andy Delors, which is good to see that Andy Delors is scoring a goal here and there for for Nice. He's had a tough season. The um, uh, the Algerian international or former Algerian international, I should say, right now. Um, Lille and Bordeaux, um, a game that finished at 0-0. Bordeaux somehow managed to keep Lille uh, out of their goals. Um, red card at the 35th minute for Quateng. So Bordeaux played an hour down to 10 men. Lille with 22 shots, only six on target. Uh, but Gaëtan Poussin in the post had to a bit of a bit of work to do, and uh, and Bordeaux somehow got a, a youngster out of their um, ranky defense to um, to to stand up for Amedozic, who was um, suspended, and uh, Medloup is his name. Medloup, excuse me, his name uh, was actually impressive um, during uh, during part of of these games. At the bottom of the table, the good operation was made by Trois. Mm. Who won 1-0 against Rennes. Rennes also who had um, taken a, a red card and Trois who won at the very last second a goal by uh, Renault Ripard. Monaco uh, beat Metz in uh, in Lorraine and, and it's a good result for Monaco who slowly are getting closer to to the top of the table. Uh, in the uh, in the former former coach Ico, I don't know how you call that, but Montpellier and Brest, the two <laughs> coaches who, uh, who exchanged plays, Dalolio and, uh, and Derzakarian. Derzakarian won uh, in Montpellier 2-1, almost ensuring that Brest will remain in Ligue 1, which is a good um, good work for Derzakarian. Dalolio probably had better um, better ambition for, for Montpellier, but unfortunately, this is the goodbye to their um, hopes of being European. And uh, the last game was Nantes against Clermont. Five goals during that game, 3-2 win for Nantes, uh, Ludovic Blas and, and Pedro Chirivella 
and Randall Colomani all scored three players that might not be playing for not next season. Mm. Um, for Clermont, it was Kawi and um, Abdul Samed who scored. Samed scored and 10 minutes later, I got a red card probably to, to celebrate too much, too much joy, you know. Um, what that means on the table, Paris Saint-Germain, of course, is on top uh, 62 points. We spoke about Marseille in the second pot at 56. Uh, behind them, it's Rennes, 53, Strasbourg, and it's 51. And then um, within three points, Monaco, Losk, Lille, sorry, uh, Nantes, Lyon, and Lens, uh, 47 mm. to 40 points. It's four points behind Nice it's uh they need a couple of games to go their way to be able to uh, to hope to get a, a Europa League um game of course there's Nice Monaco as the um Coupe de France final but it's not going to be easy at the bottom it's it's getting harder and harder for Metz and Bordeaux 23 points each in front of them Saint-Étienne has 27 and then it's Clermont and Lorient with 28 Troyes and Angers seem rather safe uh yeah let's see what that's uh, what that gives for them this week uh a bit of football of course uh midweek um the european games uh lyon and marseille so lyon is playing uh, in england against west ham and marseille will be hosting uh park salonique as we mentioned before uh before a quite busy weekend again as usual of course the 10 games Coming up, Lorient against Saint-Etienne. That's going to be an interesting one, this one. Reims mm. against Rennes. Clermont against Paris. Bordeaux, Metz. Angers, Lille. Monaco, Troyes. Brest, Nantes. Lens against Nice. Strasbourg, Lyon. And we'll finish with a Marseille-Montpellier. A busy weekend of Ligue 1, which will be followed by a, a busy week in French football. Baptiste. Thank you very much for taking the time to coming on the pod. Always a pleasure uh, having you on, on Casseleline. If you're not following it yet, please follow um, Le Classic Pods on Twitter. Um, anything coming up soon on, on Le Classic, Baptiste? Uh, we're, we are into our top five of the greatest French Premier League players. So that's coming up soon. And that's that should be fun. Yeah, and we're going to try, but we'll see if we have enough time with you to do the history of the Classico between PSG and Marseille. That should be fun. I was disappointed that Mathieu Flamini isn't going to be the the number one player playing in the Premier League. <laughs> I had hopes. <laughs> Marseille yeah, born and bred was not, a, not a Marseille player. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Baptiste, for for the time, uh, for the for the hour spent, spent with me. Uh, everyone, please, uh, you know, rate, subscribe, follow on Twitter. Don't hesitate if you have uh, any, any questions. Uh, we kind of answered it uh, halfway, but Tom Abadji was asking if we think Lyon has a chance to to play in Europe um, next year. I think it's going to be a tough one, Tom. I think Lyon is very inconsistent. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, I guess I'm not betting on Lyon doing it uh, based on the fact that they're not playing well. But hey, if they won the Europa League, then they're in Champions League next year. So maybe that's where the where the easiest road um, to, to Europe is. Thank you everyone for listening to Castelline. I shall be back next week and we'll talk a bit more about Ligue 1. Merci. Au revoir.